Welcome back to the 18th Century Podcast, I'm your host, CJ. In today's episode, we'll be discussing Christmas during the 18th century. The main focus will be on the British and Americas for Christmas, but I may try to delve into a few other countries' traditions too. If you'd like to read the script for this episode and its citations, go to 18thcentury.home.blog. That's 18thcentury.home.blog. Type the numbers, don't spell them. Alright, let's get right into it. 18th century Christmas was similar to modern 21st in some ways and in others very different. Starting with the colonies. I'm going to cheat again here and jump back to the 17th century. For the most part, the colonists were Protestants, many of which in the 17th century New England were was a uh, mixture of Puritans among a few other Protestant groups. In these early days, they frowned upon the celebration of Christmas and in some era areas even outlawed it. For example, in Massachusetts during the year 1659, the General Court forbade the celebration of Christmas. If someone was caught celebrating, they would suffer a fine of five shillings per offense. Around the same time, the Assembly of Connecticut also prohibited the celebration of Christmas and Christmas-related material, such as the Book of Common Prayer. Their view at the time was that Christmas was too close to pagan ceremonies, thus it was greatly frowned upon. This would continue into the 18th century, though as time went on, attitudes relaxed a little. Many denominations still didn't celebrate, though. For example, the Quakers would treat Christmas during the 18th century just like any other day. Uh, Presbyterians didn't pay it much mind, but they saw their congregation attend other churches on Christmas, so they eventually picked up the practice as well. Christmas was more celebrated by the denominations such as Roman Catholics, Lutherans, Anglicans, and a couple others. If you'd like to get a better geographic picture of where Christmas was celebrated, it was more in New York, Pennsylvania, Maryland, and the southern colonies. Now, if we hop over to Europe, we see Christmas celebrated more. Festivities were held in Great Britain and most of the rest of Europe, too. During the 18th century, we'll see the development of some Christmas carols, hymns, and early versions of Christmas cards. I'll be going over these and a few other things related to Christmas as we go further into this episode, but I think we should first discuss how long the Christmas celebration really was. Christmas in modern times is typically celebrated on two days, December 24th and December 25th. Unless you're an Orthodox Christian, then Christmas is celebrated on January 7th. Yet, in the 18th century, focusing on Western Christianity, the Christmas season could last between 12 to 40 days long. December 25th would still mark Christmas Day. Now, the next days going forward depend, would depend on your denomination if you would celebrate them or not. So, going forward, December 26 marked St. Stephen's Day. Then, December 27th marked St. John the Evangelist's Day. December 28th would mark Holy Innocence Day. Uh, this would go on until January 1st which would mark the circumcision of Jesus. 
on January 1st, it would end with the Feast of the Circumcision. Between December 25th and January 1st, this was referred to as the Octave Week, since it was an eight-day long celebration. Then going forward to January 6th, we have the Epiphany of Jesus, which was celebrated with the Feast of Epiphany. Thus, this would mark the 12 days of Christmas. So, where do the 40 days come from then? February 2nd marked the Purification of the Virgin Mary, which was also celebrated with a feast. Here's an interesting tidbit I found as well. On December 27th, which was St. John the Evangel Evangelist's Day, my apologies, I don't know why I have trouble saying evangelist sometimes. I don't really say the word too often. But St. John the Evangelist's Day, it was especially celebrated by the Freemasons. During the 18th century, there were considered two patron saints of the Freemasons. The first being the uh, being St. John the Evangelist, and second being St. John the Baptist. The Masons would celebrate in their town or villages with special activities, and sometimes dressed in their full garb. For example, in Virginia, the Masons would hold a procession from their lodge to their local church. The Masons at the time would then hold a special sermon that may have invoked feelings of brotherhood, love, and unity. Afterward, they would have attended a ball and supper with their wives and friends. One of their members would have been selected to organize the event, which would have taken place either in a local tavern or someone's home. Now, we're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we'll look at some of the traditions and customs that made up an 18th century Christmas. We'll be right back. Welcome back. We'll begin the second half of today's episode by discussing Christmas foods of the 18th century. Due to improved agriculture, Christmas foods differed from past few centuries. Some foods would come into favor and others would fall out of favor. Roasts and fowl were common meats seen at the Christmas table. Yet, as the years dragged on, and especially in the colonies, turkey became the main meat at Christmas. In England, mince, mince pies were popular and had been popular for a couple of centuries. They were first made with minced meat, but as time went on, they were made with dried fruit and spices instead. Other popular foods from the time which you might have found at the Christmas table were cheeses, soups, duck, geese, and pudding. There would also be some variation based on uh, upon where you lived during the time. For drinks, alcoholic punches were popular, along with wine and brandy. One more thing I want to mention here is Twelfth Night Cake. This would have been a very large cake. To give you an estimate on the size, if your Twelfth Night Cake weighed 5 pounds, that would be on the light side of things. Townsend's did an excellent video on how to make a Twelfth Night Cake, and I'll post their video on the blog. I highly recommend watching it. 
One tradition surrounding the cake was that while it was being made, a bean, or perhaps a coin, was placed into the mixture. If you were lucky, if you were the lucky soul to get the bean or coin in your slice, you were regarded as the king for the night. It all went along with the festive attitude. One modern conception of Christmas is the focus around family and children. However, children played a lesser part in 18th century Christmas celebrations. The Christmas parties which would have occur which would occur later in the day were reserved typically for adults only. At Christmas parties, games were prevalent too. Certain card games would have been played along with other games such as Hunt the Slipper, Blind Man's Bluff, and Shoe the Wild Mare. Stories were told, caroling was to be had, and dances were common. Mix the games with an assortment of food and alcohol, and the time was very merry. Decorations were common in churches. There was a uh, practice called sticking of the church during the period where green uh, bows, bows were placed in the church on Christmas Eve. F from the uh, church roofs, uh, from the church roof, walls, and pillars, garlands of holly, mistletoe, ivy, and the like were hung. The pews and pulpit were also decorated with garlands as well. Herbs were placed throughout the church to give it a pleasant holiday scent. People's homes were also decorated in a similar fashion. Though the amount of decoration was based upon what you could afford given your social standing in society. Gift-giving was something we today would have in common with the 18th century celebration. Small gifts were given to children, such as little books or small amounts of candy. Children would not give gifts to their parents or other important adults in their life. One tradition from Amsterdam was that St. Nicholas would fill the wooden shoes of children with fruit or perhaps candy. Gifts were exchanged among adult peers as well. It was also common for the wealthy to bestow gifts to those they employed. We also see the beginnings of Christmas cards. Though they weren't exactly cards, they were called Christmas pieces, and they were pre-printed with holiday-themed borders, and they were written by schoolboys. These Christmas pieces were only popular in large cities such as London. Now, one of the largest symbols of Christmas in modern times is perhaps the Christmas tree. Though, in the 18th century, the Christmas tree was largely reserved to the Germans. The first recorded Christmas tree in England was in the year 1800, which is the cutoff for this podcast. Though, it was brought forth under King George III's wife, Queen Charlotte. For the last section of this episode, we'll discuss Christmas carols along with other holiday songs and music. I want to start off by saying they were very popular. One popular hymn, Joy to the World, was written in 1719, though the tune was different than what we know to be today. A man named Isaac Watts was the author, and he based Joy to the World on Solemn 98. Watts didn't create a tune for the hymn, and he sort of left it up to interpretation. Another carol which may have been sung was Hark the Herald Angel Sing, 
This hymn was first published in 1739 by a man named Charles Wesley. Though Wesley's original writing of the carol was a bit different than our modern version, instead of Hark the Herald Angels Sing, it was Hark How All the Welkin Rings. Hark All the Welkin Rings. The word welkin was a word that meant vault of heaven. Though the change of the lyric occurred in 1753 when the evangelist George Whitefield thought that the word welkin might confuse some people, so he made the change and added it to his anthology of hymns. Again, we don't know exactly how these carols were meant to be sung, and even during the 18th century there was variation. One carol that we probably would recognize, though, in entirety is Deck the Halls. Though, it should be noted that Deck the Halls is a secular version of a Welsh hymn. People would sing out these and many other carols to celebrate the holiday. Carols would have been sung in church and at home, in private with family and at parties. Singing Christmas carols was very popular. This brings us to the end of this 18th century podcast episode, and it's the last episode of the year. Yes, dear listener, I will be taking a break for the holiday season. The podcast will return sometime in January. I don't know the exact date, but I will continue with the Saturday uploads once the podcast returns. On another side note, um, if you guys... Look through the description of podcast episodes, whether it be through iTunes or, I believe, Spotify and, and the like. You will see, let me pull it up quick, a link that says support this podcast. Uh, this is automatically done through Anchor, and as you may know, I, well, you probably do know this, I host my podcast through Anchor. So if you'd like to make, say, a uh, monthly contribution to the podcast so I can uh, keep going and keep making more episodes, you can by following that link. Anchor offers three different levels of monthly contributions, which is $0.99, cents, $4.99, and $9.99. Um, if you'd like to give me a Christmas gift this year, maybe a one-time you know, monthly donation of $0.99 cents would be cool. Uh, it's up to you, and hey, I get it, you, I'm just asking, you know, it's nice, uh, so it, it encourages me to keep going, keep making more episodes, and keep putting out the content, because I really do like doing this. Uh, you don't have to, I mean, I, I, you don't, you don't, you do, you do, thank you if you do, and if you do decide to it, I only ask for 99 cent donation or contribution, I should say. I don't believe it's considered donation on Anchor. And this is the first episode I'm asking for a monthly contribution, and I'm not even asking monthly, I'm asking a one-time thing. So if you're feeling generous and you want to help me out a little bit here, that that would be pretty cool. And like I said again, you, you don't have to do this. It, it's just something I thought I'd bring up. So, yeah, the monthly contribution thing, cool if you guys do. If you don't, I completely understand. 
anyways, um, I wish you all a Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, and a Happy New Year. The script and citations for this episode and all other episodes can be found at 18thcentury.home.blog. That's 18thcentury.home.blog. Type the numbers, don't spell them. If you'd like to support the show, please share it and leave a review. I've been your host, CJ, and thank you for listening to this episode of the 18th Century Podcast. Thank you.